All right, man. Um, so you know, you've you've heard of you've heard of the podcast. You know how it goes down. Yep. Yeah. And um, we're we're gonna talk about you and kids and life and um, school and education. And I'm looking at your phone. That reminds me to turn mine off. I already turned mine down. I'm ahead of you. You are a true professional, sir. Because usually I'm the one telling people to turn their phones down. So I tell you what, in in the teaching a rock star thing, it's 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 been me. Like when the phone goes off. And it's ringing. Oh, and, and it's you. And it's in my pocket. And you're looking out in the audience. Yeah, and um, who is this guy? No, oh. they're they're like they're looking around and trying to figure out who it is, and it's me. Yeah, it's you. But on I, stage. Don't, I, I don't ever admit to it. And um, <laughs> put it down here. All right, so uh, so man, you know what's up, man? Let's get this thing going. We're gonna kick it off, and uh, and we're gonna uh, have, a, have we're gonna have some conversation, and we're gonna have some coffee, and um, and get to the bottom of things. Because here's here's what I know about you, Mister Mario Bai. Uh huh. You have all the answers. You have been in education since the inception of school and you have the answer to every educational challenge that has ever come across the teacher's desk isn't that true the answer is just be open-minded uh, <laughs> uh, you better be because if you think you got all the answers right. something's gonna change right and you're not gonna be ready for it anymore no. all right let's get this kids going man teaching a rock star we are officially rolling big beginning Hit it. All right, teaching a rockstar podcast. Let's do this thing. In studio today, we have the lovely, the, the talented, the vivacious, voluptuous Mario Bai. And uh, Mario is the associate principal at Seven Lakes High School in the, the fantastic Katy Independent School District. And we're going to spend some time with him. All right, coming up, listen, we have Teaching a Rockstar dates all across the nation. And um, we, we listen, we're going we're gonna to kick it off just next week. We're going to have a, a, a new a next week in Brandenburg, Kentucky, with Meade County Schools coming up. And listen, we have about four more spots that we can uh, pack some schools in, four more uh, dates that we can book. And uh, like I was saying yesterday, man, I used to do about 25, 26 in the summer. Not anymore. I just don't. I, listen, I just don't have it. Are you getting I, old? <laughs> you don't act like you can't see the gray. We're not old. Come on. <laughs> we're, we're very old. And uh, so we, we were, we're up to about 16, 17 uh, days. We got three or four more that, that, that we can uh, book. So if you're interested in doing the teach like a rock star thing at your school, at your school district, your uh, convocation, your big back to school bash, whatever you're doing, uh, uh, give us a call. Also, you know what we love to do are the small schools, man. We, we love going out to those um you know e you know even the the you know the elementary school that has the 20 teachers or if it's the big district you know in fort Bend, we're going to do a couple thousand teachers whatever it is um man give us a call give georgia a call and she'll work it out she'll figure out a way to make it work for you all right let's get it going mario bye how are you brother i'm doing good how how are you doing um, excellent man we uh listen man we uh go back a little bit more than a little bit, brother. <laughs> it's called junior high. It is. I think I think you're supposed to call it middle school now, but we but man, we were junior no, we, high. We call them junior highs out in Katy. Oh, really? Yeah. Sci Fair went to middle school. We stayed with junior high. What's What's the difference? You know, I think the difference is in in middle school they're they're uh, trying to make it a little more keep a little more elementary, a little more hands on personal touch, right? Uh, but get them ready for high school. Not that we we don't do that where we have junior highs, right? But it was just a conceptual change that uh, Sci Fair went through. Um, probably a little before we worked up there in that area, but uh, let, let me tell you something. Yeah, I like junior high. 
It just feels better as a kid. Yeah? It feels like high school, but not sort of like high school, but not really. But middle school. Well, I here, know. I'll ask you a question. I'll turn the tables. What was, like, when you were in school, yeah. what was, when you think back, what was the best time for you as a student? As a student, man, I'm glad you brought this up. This is an interesting process. I went through this, and I can remember this at Texas Tech University, and I had, it was my, whatever the psychology and education class is called, and it was a teacher, well, I'm sorry, a professor, ah. and but but she was a teacher, man. And not um, all professors are teachers. No, a lot profess. Yeah. This one taught, man. She, I don't know, can't remember her name. But she was awesome, and um, she turned out the lights. She put on some mood music. We laid on the floor. Yeah, and she said, "Close your eyes," and it was kind of like this hypnosis thing where we got in this deep, relaxed state. And she said, "I want you to picture a time where you felt safe and secure, and you were had fun, and you're learning, and don't you know." I'm telling you, man, it was West Memorial Junior High. Yeah. It was eighth grade. I loved it. Okay. I loved it. It was eighth grade. I, you know, I moved from New Jersey and, and uh in eighth grade. I, I still remember, man. It was it was a cool place to be. Yeah. But that's where that's where you should teach. That's what that's what, that's what she said. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That's the, you find that place. Yeah. And you go back to it. And that's where you should start your teaching career. And and you know, for me, I found um I found that I um Maybe because I never like emotionally matured since the eighth grade, but I found like <laughs> like All I really right. like I really connected with those kids, you mm-hmm. know. And um, even when I was uh, you know at Georgetown, I can remember after you know like I was teaching percussion out there having, after sectionals and just in the grass wrestling around uh-huh. with eighth graders and being silly and trying to hit each other with the football and yeah. you know it was fun, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, yeah. Great kids at that age. I haven't done junior high, but I've always done high school. But I, you know, I think that was my time. Was, yeah. uh, was high school. So I like being in there and, and being with that age of kids. Sometimes I relate better to to fifteen to eighteen year olds than I do to the younger ones or the older ones. So yeah. It's just you find your place. You do, and, and or hopefully you do. Not not everybody does. Not everybody does. No. Which is interesting. Like like some people try to force themselves into, you know, the, a place that just isn't for them. And you know, I I used to, um, you know, before I was. Uh, obviously, as mature as I am now, I used to think they're they're really bad teachers, and some, and of course, there's here and there you'll find some bad ones. But what I found was there are great teachers in the wrong spot, right? Great teachers in the wrong school, or great teachers at the wrong age level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You put them in the a school that fits them, or the age of the the demographics that fit them, and boom, they they they're, they're a great teacher. Sure, sure. All right, so and so we met in uh, we were Jaguars. West Memorial Junior High We're Jaguars. Proud Jaguars, my friend. Jaguars. And um, in the band. In the band, no doubt, man. And uh, we had a band director, I believe that year. Did he not have a nervous breakdown? I, yeah, that was the year. <laughs> yes. The poor gentleman. Um, I don't had, remember his name. We, we, we usually don't mention any names on the show. Okay, we won't, but I remember his name. But yeah. yeah, he had been, uh, uh, he played saxophone for. I think he played for like like Glenn Miller or something. Right, I mean, he had he, all he kind went of back on the podium. He had his instruments lined up. Oh yeah, he played every day. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, and um, he didn't make it through the year. He didn't. No. no, he he had a few years under his belt. Right, and we were junior high kids. Yeah, so yeah. you, you kind of outmatched. And then a new gentleman came in, and that turned into a crazy situation too. Later on, yeah, later on it did. Yeah, he he went away at a, at a certain point. So. Yeah, and uh, well, so all right, so then um, I was an eighth grader. You were a seventh grader. 
Yes. And um, uh, I don't know. I don't want to show off or anything, but I was shaving at the time, Mario. And um, and you stopped what in ninth grade? <laughs> right. And then uh, and then you went you went to a different high school because that that was a that was a school that was split into two different high schools. Right. You went to uh, James Taylor uh, uh, High School, uh-huh. and I yeah. went to uh, Katie High School. Yeah. And at the time, man, Taylor was a school you wanted to go to. That was like the you know that was where all the cool kids went. Their houses were a little bit bigger over there. Well, I, and didn't then, li- I didn't live in one of the big houses. There were <laughs> there were ones even a little further over too. Right, so. and then but my school was more at, at the time was more of the rural. Um, you know, a lot of rice farmers still out there. You sure, know, a lot sure. of kids that work a full day of, of work before they show up for school. Mm-hmm. And so there was this, there was this like have and have nots division between the schools. And uh, and th- of course, things have changed now, uh, with with different ha- you know subdivisions growing and populations moving around. Well, back then, when we were in school, Taylor was the second school to open. Mm-hmm. I work now in Seven Lakes, which is the sixth school, and we're about to open our seventh high school here and come in the fall. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a lot and of you stuff could stand on our roof and pretty much see all those other 5A high schools. It's amazing. From where we are. It's dense. It very much is. And then uh, after high school, and, and just where we're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, uh, man, I don't want to do on a Tarantino this thing. So we reconnected, but we're going to go back. Okay. We reconnected, and um, I believe it was at a fine institution of learning. Higher learning. Higher learning, my friend. It, it it's not Harvard. What it was? Uh, Cambridge? No. What what Cornell? What was a little closer? What was the name of that? Uh, Prairie, Prairie View A and M University. Right. So Prairie View A and M. Uh, it was uh, the very first class of working towards a master's degree, mm-hmm. and we had to do that thing where we introduce ourselves. And um, I introduced myself, and I, don't know, I think I made up some stuff, and and then it went back through the people, and back there on the third row or so is you. Yeah. And one of the things you said was. I know that guy right down there in the first row. Uh-huh. And I looked back and said, man, that's that cat from junior high. <laughs> <laughs> it'd been a while. Yeah, so at that point, man, it'd been a long while. Yeah. Because we, we weren't in touch at all. Like, no. through high school, we went our different, separate ways. Right, right. Different but, realities uh, and different jobs and careers and all that kind of stuff. But then reconnected and then ended up tr- you know, carpooling and, and has kind of kept in touch off and on ever since. We carpooled in my little... Uh, little no. Miata? Miata with the bad paint job, and you had something with no air conditioning. That's right. Well, I had a lot of somethings with no air conditioning. But we made it through. So, mm-hmm. and uh, let me ask you: At this time, did I ever drive a van? I used to have a van. It was it actually it was, it was called the Mouth. No, nah, in the time it was like a little import, no Corolla, air conditioning Corolla, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, Tercel. I still drive my Tercel. I bet the Tercel. So uh, yeah, and um, that for a while there, I drove this thing called the Mouth. Uh huh. And uh, why was it called the mouth? Is there a, yeah, is a because story? Uh, well, first of all, there's two seats. There's the captain's and the passenger in the front. It was an extended uh, van, uh, cargo van. Was there something airbrushed on the side of it? No, but it had quick great quick concrete quick crete had spilled in the van ah. so it was still in there on the floor and we called it the mouth because the PLY was missing was was was, was missing ah, on the back limit. So. <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right so you man we reconnect and uh and now here we are man we we start doing the masters thing the program and um and you uh followed through on that deal and you finished it up and you decide that you want to become an administrator and here's man here's the big question yeah. that i always have for administrators, because this is the tough part, man. This is the part where you move from having the daily 
uh, relationship with kids where you see the metamorphosis, where you're a part of it every day, mm-hmm. you know, 52 minutes at the high school. And, um, and, and by the way, what were you teaching at that time? You, when, you, when you first started your master's, what were you teaching? IPC. IPC, right. Yeah. And for people that don't teach Integrated in Texas. Integrated physics and chemistry. It used right. to be called physical science. It's right. ninth grade science right. for high school kids. And you're, and you're teaching that, working on your master's. And then you, and, and you made the decision that you're going to become an administrator. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what was really the, the compelling um, you know, thought behind that? Okay, well, it really goes back a few years before when I thought I would be... Well, when I first became a teacher, I thought, okay, I'm teaching biology, I'll teach... AP, biology, anatomy and physiology, and by the end of my first semester, I'm like, ah, that's, that, that's nice, but I, I enjoy that stuff, but what I really wanted to do, I was teaching IPC in my first year, too, was help these kids get to that point where they could take those classes. Yeah. I think they needed somebody to, to push them along at the start, so from right from the start, I was more about helping the kid than so much of the content. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I was felt like I was too challenged for the content. It was it was too tough. Right. It was that was for the really really smart kids that had become teachers. But um, uh, somehow the human thing got me more than the uh, the biology thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, and and I kind of took I took the scenic route along the way. I tried to get out of teaching once. Went and did little construction Keep for one semester, you back. and they pull you right back in. Yeah. Why'd uh, you get out, man? Because you taught for how many years? Uh, to- the, on the first stint. The on- first. Uh, I did like three years teaching at Taylor, where I had gone to school, right? And then got out for like that semester, and then taught a couple more up there at Langham Creek in Cy Fair. Um, so really, I had five years total in the classroom. Yeah, that's it. And but, so uh, you, and so you, what was no? And um, why'd you get out? Why'd I get out? I thought I wanted to make more money. Yeah, that's what it was about at that age. I was about to get married, mm-hmm. and thought oh, I got to do better than this. I'm going to raise a family, and right, but. Turns out, um, well, you, know, you keep changing paths because you think there's a better route somewhere. But um, wound up, uh, you know, getting my master's degree, getting administration. We started having kids. My wife stays home. We made it work on, on. Uh, I wasn't making full fledged administrator money yet, but we yeah. made it work for quite a while on my salary. Sure, it can be done. Uh, if that's what makes sense for for you, so yeah, and and I think you know I I really wish, man, you know, part of that first year teacher thing, you know, we and everybody knows about the washout we have in the first few years of teaching, and one of the reasons they wash out, and we and and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I always say that I wish more of them would wash out sooner. Some of them stick around a little bit too long, mm. but we do lose great people. And one of the reasons we lose is because that had that same feeling. What happens is, is their friends that were business majors and uh, you know got into sales and got into all other things. They start seeing the company car. They start seeing the bonus trips. They start seeing all these things. And they're making a fifteen hundred bucks more next year, and then they make eight. But the insurance costs more, so they're really making three hundred dollars more. And and so they're not really moving along like in other professions. And so they move out to see what's out there, you know. And we lose great people. I really wish, but it can be done. And there are things that you can do financially. I really wish that was a part of first year teacher, you know, maybe after school something plan. We need to do more to mentor those first year teachers. Yeah, because like you say, the you know the washout rate, maybe you know three four years. I see a lot of good young teachers. And a lot of times, your your good young ones with a lot of energy and a lot of personality, 
they'll get picked up in another career somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. we need to do something more to keep them in. Right. Right. And you know, and what we always say, man, because the, the one of the craziest things about this gig is, you know, what's expected of that first year teacher on the first day is the same things expected of your 30 year veteran on the first day, same results. And we're talking about people's lives, by the way. Oh yeah. And that, that is a lot of pressure for a 22 year old kid coming out of Sam Houston state university. Yeah, and, and now at, <clears throat> at this point, I got to look more as an administrator, as when I bring a first year teacher in and I do the master schedule, you know, am I giving them the right classes? Am I putting them next door to the right person? Yeah. Who, that you may pair them up with a mentor, but that person they're next door to, that's going to be their mentor. Yeah. So I got to get them in the right position in the building. Man, that's yeah. so awesome. You, you brought up, you know, no one's ever said that. I mean, that's the first time I ever heard that. You know, I heard always. You know, I, I see a lot of fake um, first year teacher mentoring programs mm -hmm. where they're going to have lunch once a month mm -hmm. and chit chat and brown bag it. And but there's nothing. But I'm talking about it. But you're right. It's a day to day. What are they seeing and who? Because that's you know what we say. Teach a rock star. You know, send your best teachers. You know, give, give us some people that need some help. But give us your best. Invest in the best. They're going to change the rest. They're already the mentors on your campus. Even if you don't have a structured program, there's already teachers that people are watching every day to learn from. Yeah. And the fact that you put a first-year teacher next to it, man, that's genius. That's you got to do that because that's where the real work happens. Is sometimes between classes in the hallway. It's not when I schedule this once a month. We'll come after school and, and share. And that's a controlled environment. You're not going to get real true sharing in that. But when uh, when you let them go out in the hallway or just in the, the lunchroom every day. And as administrator, I try to stay out of the lunchroom because right. uh, that way they can they can really talk about stuff. Sometimes yeah. I'll pop in there for a question or something, but I'll, I'll go heat my lunch up. But I, I got to get out of there, man. Right. That's that's their time to really talk about or, yeah. or de-stress or whatever. And uh, sometimes when I come in, I'm stressed. So uh, I got to stay away from those situations. But I got I to gotta know that that's where we're really training our first-year teachers. For sure. Is in those kind of situations. It's not just um, this person's your mentor and you'll fill out your workbook and meet once a month and that kind of stuff. So. Right. And so you, um, now when, when you first started in, in administration, you had, um, man, it, it was, was kind of like a fake I mean, I mean, it was kind of like it yeah, was. Yeah, it's you know, I look back at that first administrator. What was that thing job. called? It was called the Academic Achievement Specialist. That was because we had a grant, right? I think that was. I, I think, think there was some grant money that it started. It was a born from yeah. the freshman grant money. Yeah, and they, it um, it was kind of a catch-all job. At some campuses, they had them doing. I did some discipline every now and then. Mm -hmm. I covered some after after-school events. Uh, where now it's morphed into um, a lot more districts. I know in Katy, we have instructional specialists. Yeah, and they don't do after-school stuff. They don't evaluate teachers. They focus on supporting teaching teams, or those PLCs, professional learning communities. And it really has become the job that it always should have been. Yeah. Uh, we were just experimenting with it back then. We don't know what it was. Right. Uh, but now it's, it's, a, it's a real instructional support job that, um, that it, it's important. I wish every small school could have people to do nothing but that. Uh, we're at an advantage in, in these big districts that we have room to build those things in. Because uh, of where we exist on the economic curve, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it, it it has become you know if I was doing it again now I'd actually know what my job was it'd be more defined. Sure, yeah I think you know that it was just born of grant money if I remember right back in Cypher and the, and you're right there really was no description it was like okay. Every, every campus now has an extra administrator, and you can make them do whatever you want them to do. Basically, that's that's kind of <laughs> yeah. kind of what I did in a lot right. of ways. Because even some people on the same campus had different ideas of what my job was. Right. Uh, not everybody was on the same page, even in the same place. No. So no, it, no, no. It, it made it tough because I really never knew what uh, I was trying to do. Some things, but somebody else wanted me to do something else, and 
and uh, spent a few years doing that. Didn't ever quite get it where where now I know it needed to be. Sure. Uh, but now I, I see we've got this instructional coach model where uh, they can, um, you know, they're on, on our campus working with our teachers. And again, here's my job as an administrator. Make sure that those teams of teachers have the right off period because the instructional coach can't get to every single English team in one off period. So I gotta, I'm working on mixing their off periods up so that instructional coach can actually do his or her job and get to all of them. Sure, sure. So it's, it's, um, you know, it requires some support. Um, that really, really is what I do is I'm supposed to support and give them the opportunity to meet and, uh, and actually do their job, make it meaningful. And in that instructional coaching position is, do they have, um, uh, responsibilities district wide? I know like in Sci Fair, we had a director of instruction and who very rarely could really get much done on a campus simply because they had such huge responsibilities. Not only were they a director of instruction at the campus with 4,000 right. kids, but they're also responsible for, for you know, sophomore English district wide. Not in my district. Yeah. Uh, I know Sci Fair's done that. I don't know if they do now, but uh, I, I know it's just a different philosophy, different approach. Ours, uh, our instructional coaches, We've got at least one will be on our campus full time. The others we will share with one other campus. But then on Fridays, they get together at a central office and they meet amongst themselves and talk about what they need to do as instructional coaches. So there's um, there's a little that way they can stay connected with all the curriculum specialists and and uh, and directors over there at the central office and uh, help us keep help well help central office keep connected with what we do. Right. Because you know everybody says. Every district around the country says, oh, you know, central office, they don't know what we're going through here on the campus. So hopefully it's going to help foster that connection sure. so that they still know, still remember what it's like down here in the trenches. Yeah. You know, you know those, 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 those professional learning communities, the, the PLCs, those yeah. communities of teachers, those teams of teachers that we put together, is such a critical component. And, um, you know, I, I, I was never in a position where... Um, I, I feel like it was done effectively. Mm-hmm. I've been on a lot of teams. I've been on English teams, biology, um, team leadership, pals. I've done the pals thing was pretty. That one worked. The the, the rest because because we did because we could do whatever we wanted. Really, is why it worked. Well, you that pals, you guys are kind of more in tune with that anyway. Exactly. So, yeah. we, we had the thing figured out. It was kind of inherently it was like a natural component of who people were on the team. But you know, just as in a biology thing, you know, it, what 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 it really was. Was, was okay. Here's the week. Uh, you are in charge of all the week mm-hmm. for you for the six biology teachers. You pick one that's in charge. So I got one. This is my week, and six weeks later we have another week. And you get all the labs together for everybody. You get all the worksheets, and we're all doing the same thing on the same day. And for me and my style of teaching, you know what, man? I got three girls from. El Salvador that just moved in that don't speak English. <laughs> yeah. And I've got to talk about a beaker, you know? <laughs> I've got some... A beaker? I want to say beaker. Right. I've got, yeah. I've got some issues. I've got some, you know... And, and those girls were amazing, by the way. I still remember mm-hmm. those girls. You know what they did? They um they put put they they kept three of them together in uh-huh. all their classes. They put them in my class, you know, because they thought I'd be good for them. And then what they you know I would I would pass out work. I'd give them homework. You know what these girls would do? I'm not kidding, man. I have to talk about them. They um they would take the question at the end of the chapter. They would look. They would like look for those words 
back in the pages, and they would copy the entire page where they found groups of those words in a sentence, hoping that that page somehow answered that question. Hey, that's how I learned how to go to school. It's called using context clues. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and these girls were amazing. They would come... So, like, for a question where the answer really was, like, like could have been one sentence, they had, like, two pages written, but they copied it out of the book. They figured hoping, they'd catch it somewhere. In yeah, there. hopefully yeah. that's in there. <laughs> and so, for me, you know, my, on that team, it really didn't meet the needs of my students because uh-huh. we were all forced to do the same thing on the same day. But what we see where more effective things are going on, like, um, you know, at, at Eastview High School in Georgetown, and it sounds like maybe at your school, or people are coming together with, with, with an instructional coach that helps uh, uh, be a mentor to the leader of a team who knows what's going on in each one of those classrooms and maybe have more flexibility for learners in those rooms. Let me throw a little reality into it, though. A lot of what we do is because of standardized testing. Oh, for sure. We want yeah. everybody to be on the, on the same page. I don't think that we teach the test. Now, maybe we teach to the test, mm-hmm. which means our curriculum's aligned with what's you know taught and tested. Uh, but, as it should be by law. As it should be. It certainly should be. Um, but uh, um, yeah, lots is driven by what's on that standardized test. Yeah. And don't get me started on the money and politics behind why we give all those tests. Cause you know, every time we hand a test to a kid, somebody gets a nickel. Yeah. So there, there's something driving it. That's not necessarily education focused. Sure. Uh, there's that's, it's the reality behind everything. Right. Um, so there is that. And that, that is one of the reasons why we got to have some instructional coaches because we got to have that, that, that unity with all of our teachers, getting the kids on the same page. So we're all passing the test. Well, here's the thing. I mean, we have a, um, we have a responsibility to kids to pass the test because here's the thing, man, we can teach them and we can uh, address their, their needs on that day and we can be flexible and all that stuff. But when it comes down to it, if they're going to graduate, mm-hmm. They got to pass. They got to pass it, yeah. Yeah, and so you'll you'll see that some some challenges in smaller schools, and it's really a legal issue, where um, uh, you know, a kid will have straight A's and B's, but you know what? They can't pass that test. Right. And so the thing is, the legal problem is, hey, my kid did what you asked of him. Mm-hmm. He has great. He has evidence on a report card. Mm-hmm. Look at his transcript. He has all A's and B's, and he can't pass a test. Well, whose who, whose fault is that? Mm-hmm. So. You know, as you know, we, we do have a responsibility to the kid, but also we have a, you know responsibility to teachers to put them in an environment where they can meet the individual needs of those children as well. You got to tailor it to each individual kid. You know, in in perfect ISD, every kid would have that IEP. Right. We tailor everything to every kid's uh, learning needs. Not going to happen because that's like I say, that's perfect ISD, which doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, uh, you got to have that in the back of your head as you're going through and, and preparing stuff for every kid every day, and um, it's a, it's a it's a daunting, challenging ta- task for teachers to think that I've got standardized testing, but I've got individual needs. You've got the three ESL kids in your room, right? Uh, that don't even know what a beaker is. Yeah, uh, it, it's daunting. So if that instructional coach can give them some support and help them come up with the, with the the lessons and the objectives that are going to match up with the tested objectives, um, you know. That's great. Give them that support and uh, take a little bit of that off the teacher's plate 
and let that instructional coach help out with some lesson planning. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and just as a side note on that test, uh, I, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I always, I always say we don't mention names and I'm going to hold true to that. I have a friend and he's phenomenally successful in business, runs a multi-million dollar company. We're talking about the test and he says, you know, I, you know, he says, you know, well, here's the thing, man, these are minimum standards and these kids ought to know this stuff anyway. Yeah. I said, well, hang, well, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. Are you suggesting that you could pass a test? He says, yeah, of course I could. So, of course, I went to the computer. I printed out the release test. Release test, printed the PDF out, gave him the pencil. I said, Well, they get busy, brother. (laughs) About question number three money where your mouth is. Yeah. There's no, he couldn't even make a 50 on it. Yeah. Running a multi million dollar company. Uh huh. Not even a 50. Okay. So, is the test maybe not valid then if somebody can be that successful? And not pass the test. Here's the thing, man. You know, I think I think I think with success in life, I, as we know, it's not just about the content. Hopefully, we're using the learning of the content as a vehicle to to deliver some, uh, you know, values and integrity and responsibility. And hopefully, okay. So that guy's got some knowledge. Oh yeah. It's not on the test. No. But we're giving every kid the test, expecting them to know the same knowledge. Exactly. So are we just going to crank out Xerox copies of kids everywhere? And not have any different thinking. Right. That's another one of my philosophical problems with all this. Sure. We're just cranking out the same kids with the same expectations that know the same stuff and think the same way. Mm-hmm. And does does our economy need that? Does our society need Do we that? want that? Do we want that? Because I don't know yeah. about you, man, but you teach at Seven Lakes. You live in a, a different type of town. Is it okay oh. if I say where you live? Oh, yeah. You, you live in Belleville, yeah. Texas. Yeah. Whole different type, whole different type of living, lifestyle, community. Totally. Totally Completely different. opposite. Yeah. And so we have kids going to Plano West up north of Dallas, mm-hmm. but we also have kids that live in George West, Texas. Mm-hmm. By the way, a phenomenal school that does amazing things with kids. Uh-huh. But these are two different needs, two different styles of living, two different lifestyles, two two different needs for these kids that need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And so, and I guess somehow we're going to try to meet in the middle and compromise and and, and make them all the same. Yeah. So it's. It's not necessarily a good thing. No. Yeah, you, know, you think before we had years before we had decades before we had standardized testing, we made it to the moon with kids thinking the different ways, right? And coming together into the room, and one guy saying, "Well, I know this," another guy saying, "Well, I know this." Say, okay, let's go to the moon, and we got there. Uh, and and now we're kind of trying to get them to all think the same way, right? And you know, all of our phones kind of look the same, all of our cars kind of look the same. Uh, it's it's something to think about. It is philosophically, up in the in the philosophical stratosphere of what we do. Um, it's 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 something to think about. What are we really really getting out of this? Yeah, and you know, of course, our kids. You know, we have this test that has all this stuff for them. We want them to know, but truly, the problems they're going to have to solve don't even exist yet. We, I mean, sure. The information it hasn't even been created yet that they're going to need to know to fix the problems that we don't know are coming. So hopefully, we're focusing on objectives that get kids to do that higher order thinking kind of stuff. We're not just cranking out knowledge. Right. We're getting them to to really break things down and problem solve. Um, but you, you know, we it's hard to test problem solving. Right. Especially in a in a paper and pencil multiple choice test, you can't really give them a task and expect them to figure something out. Right. So. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's you know, it's um, but you know, you know, here's he, here's what I love about teaching. With all that said, and man, it just kind of brings me down. But now, but here's here's the beautiful part. Yeah. Once you close the door and you put the kids in a classroom, and and you have all the stuff you have to teach, you know what, man, you can make some magical moments happen. 
it's what you do with it, and that's what good teachers do. Yeah. You know, the very best teachers, and like all the education writers write about this stuff, it doesn't matter what programs you have in place no. or what standardized tests you're supposed to give. The really good teacher is going to take anything and make it all come to life for that kid, and that's what the kid's going to remember. Exactly, you know, and 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 when those kids come back and and they all, and and they do, then they'll find you. Physically, they'll come to campus, or they'll find you on Facebook or oh, something. Yeah. But they'll find you, and that's what they never talk about. You know that stuff that we try to cram into their noggin. We, they talk about the time you took them into the hallway and had that moment with them, and talked about the greatness that was in them. You know, yeah. it lasts forever. But the interesting thing is that's why the content sticks. It's because they have that emotional and that relationship and that connection with that teacher, and that's why I can remember stuff from you know my physical science class. That you know, I, I I have no business remembering this stuff, but I love that teacher. You know, yeah. I, I don't use this information daily, but it's still in there because of my uh, because of how I feel when I think about that classroom. I remember my uh, it was uh, trig teacher at Taylor, and uh, they still teach that. Well, it's now called it's uh, it's all rolled into precalculus now, is. but it was trig and EA back when we were in school. Trigonometry. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he was teaching this um, uh, the parabolas and curves, and he would uh, he he put a sound with all of them. He would, uh, like, it would go, you know, a little whistle sound. Right. So it sounds like this. Well, it didn't really sound like that, but um, that's how you would remember stuff like that. So maybe now I've got still got a little of that in my head when I go do a walkthrough in a class, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, yeah, those are the ones that sound like that. So it's the teacher that can make something like that come to life. And he was part comedian, part teacher, one of the best teachers I've ever had. He's the one that when I went back and started teaching at my old high school, me and some other guys, we would go sit in the back of his classroom and just watch, just watch the magic happen. Because uh, he could, he could teach, he can teach any kid with uh, with a piece of chalk. Yeah, no technology. No nah. piece of chalk. That was it. <laughs> and man, you remembered stuff from them. So I, I think I mimicked him many times over the years when I was teaching. So. Yeah. And so for you, man, in your role now as an associate principal, and for, let me ask you this, because you know, you know, in um, different schools and different districts, especially across the nation, they have different uh, names for the totem pole of administration. Mm-hmm. And so, in for you in your school at Seven Lakes High School in Katy, yeah, uh, we have a principal. Mm-hmm. Associate principal, mm-hmm. a series of assistant principals, right, and there's some instructional coaching somewhere in there as well. Right. So, so what's the difference between associate and the assistant principal? Well, the assistant principals are out there working straight with with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, now they evaluate teachers. They can go to PLC meetings. They can be instructional leaders, uh, but but really they work with the kids. And part of that is discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the nuts and bolts. You have to do that part. Um, the, the books, butts, and buses. You know, right. the three B's of being an assistant principal, um, getting all those things knocked out. But they're out there. Like right now, our senior assistant principal, he is like working with kids like, hey, you haven't finished this English 4 thing. You haven't finished this government thing. we got to graduate next week. This is it. you got to get it done. Right. So there's there's some motivation in, involved in it like that. Um, then you get to do the fun stuff, too. You get to work your way up to the prom and, and the senior trip and all those kind of things, which are, are you have an opportunity to do some leadership things with them there. Uh, so the senior AP gets some celebrity. Sure. Uh, you work with the class officers, and you kind of teach them to do some leadership things along in, in, the way. In your school, do, are you saying that the uh, the assistant principal moves with the class? That's the way we do it. They move with them. Like, I graduated the class of 2010, so mm-hmm. I move with those kids from 
ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade, all mm. the way through. And uh, happy to say, I'm still in touch with a number of them now. Yeah. Stayed in touch with my class officers, and they're they're doing great things. Like to think it's because I gave them some leadership. Let skills. me tell you something, brother. It's all. It's only because. It's all okay. because of you. Well, me, just to set the record straight, me and the, and the class sponsors, the teachers, that helped me along the way. Because <laughs> um, it's, it's no way it's a one. Don't you show. kid yourself. You take all the credit. Man. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, all right. Uh, not with uh, a school with four thousand kids. Mm-hmm. It's, it takes a village. Um, did I just say that? Wow, that's you bad. did. Oh man, <laughs> can we edit that out? Um, but uh, now the associate principal, I work up in the front office with the uh, with the, with the principal, the school principal. Mm-hmm. My big thing, especially right now, is setting the master schedule. With a hundred and we'll have one hundred and eighty-six teachers, one hundred eighty-five teachers next year. Yep. Um, I don't even know the number because why even bother trying to learn it? It's, sure. It's huge. Uh, but setting the master schedule up and making sure that works. Um, making sure all the assistant principals and the principal, we all know who we're going to evaluate, uh, which teachers we're going to evaluate. Um, I, uh, I go to the DC meetings, our department chair meet, department chairs meet once a week and making sure that everybody's on the same page about what our exemption card policy is for, for final exam exemptions. So real nuts and bolts administrative stuff up in the front. And then the principal, he is, um, especially the guy we got now, he is um, he, he, he's the, the culture, the climate, the leader of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, every, everything is, is uh, it, it turns on what he says. So uh, he's come in uh, his second year with us. Second year. Second year. That was third. Second. His second year with us. Because you would know better than me. I would, yeah. And but, from uh, what I understand, I went to school with that guy. You did. I bet you did. I bet you went to school with Ted Veerling over there at Katie High School. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know many people. I well, was he's a couple of, years younger than us. I did my own thing. Yeah. And so... Um, but and, he, was a, he was a Katie Band guy, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I. so here's the thing, man. You, you know, this is one of, the, one of the... You know, he asked me if I had prepared anything. Of course, I you know, I never have anything prepared. And I learned that from teaching pals, man. You just show up just and go. rock it. And uh, so, man, here's... here's uh, in terms of educational leadership, this is the, this is the challenge I see... Um, for most leaders, I'm not saying all, some have some natural qualities that they bring to the job, but here's the challenge. And let's talk about your school just as an example. And, and we'll just talk about the numbers. So you have, uh, thousands of kids, mm-hmm. uh, roughly 4,000, right? You're going to have close to 200 teachers. Close. There's going to be a uh, support staff along with that, that mm-hmm. are, um, some sort of assistant roles and there's going to be a, a, a administrative assistants, mm-hmm. food service workers, mm-hmm. going to be custodial staff. And so we'll probably, what, what would you, what would you guess next year? You'll have an enrollment over 4,000. We're going to have what, about 250. If you had to put adults working on a campus, yeah, it's, that's about right. About 250, about 250. Now here's the thing. If you look at a corporation where you put somebody in charge of a team of 250 who then are breaking the teams to oversee 4,000, what we're talking about is years and years of specific leadership training that would go into preparing somebody for that kind of a role. Mm-hmm. But in education, what we don't really see is 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 that um, that strategic of preparation plans for effective leadership. What we see is a teacher who happens to be teaching IPC somewhere, or English, whatever, and all of a sudden now now I'm doing some sort of administrative job. I don't even know what I'm really doing here. I'm just going to do what anybody tells me to. Uh-huh. And then we work into an assistant principal. You kind of fake your way through that and just watching other people next door and asking questions. And, and then next thing you know, you're in line for... And so there's really no... 
in some districts, and then on some there are. You know, I know they do have great leadership programs, mm-hmm. but in a lot of in a lot of uh, districts, you just kind of jump in there and you, and you sink or you swim or you're just kind of treading water, yeah. which is most people are just treading water trying to keep this boat afloat. Uh-huh. We're not really going anywhere. Uh-huh. This is really in leadership. We're just kind of managing this boat, trying to keep it afloat and hope for no injuries along the way. Yeah. Where if you take that same position and you put it in a corporate world, man, this is this would be an expert leader that has been groomed for this position sure. for a couple of decades maybe sure. for that kind of for, for that kind of a budget that would take to run a, a a company like that a school like that and so in katie what 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 kind of leadership uh preparation programs are there conferences you guys do i know there's regular meetings and things like that you know we we do uh we do meet with administrators and we'll try and talk with our, our vertical team like the high school will pair up with its feeder junior highs we've done that some uh, so we, you know, have some consistency that way. Uh, we've done some things like some book studies. Mm-hmm. We'll get together and talk about something or some journal studies. Uh, we're trying to review because we get all these magazines in the mailbox. Right. Well, you should actually read them sometime. What? There's some people that have some good things to say. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, uh, it's out there. Yeah. So, um, we try to do some of those things. When I first came back to Katie, um, we had a, a leadership academy that we did. So mm-hmm. my first year, I met like once a month or once a six weeks with a group of first-year administrators, as well as some people who were aspiring to become first-year administrators. Sure. And I, I know a number of them did come up and join the ranks with us. So mm-hmm. so we've done some of those things in the past. So you, I, know, you know, I think some people show up and they just have it. I know yeah. what, I mean, like, uh, I know Alan Meek, when he was at Cy Springs, he just, when he came from Jersey Village. Man, he was a great leader. He had it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Jeff Springer out at Magnolia. Yeah. That yeah. guy has that thing, whatever. I think Veerling has it as well. Based on what I read and based on what I hear from teachers, he's got a, a, a real handle on on what in the corporate world we would call vision and mission and making sure everybody's on the same page and being that leader of the environment in that school. Yeah, I, I think he really does. And, and I think that's why, um, you know, be a little personal about it. That's why I'm okay working with a guy six years younger than me. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, their ego couldn't get past that. And probably 10 years ago, I, I couldn't have gotten past it. But now I, I got a guy that, you know, maybe his, from the, from the Katy High School band to the A&M Corps, he got some leadership skills along the way. And uh, it's it's been a good thing for him. But he is such a natural in front of a big crowd and a natural uh, and a one-on-one parent meeting that is a challenge to a lot of people. So um, I'm okay working for a guy younger than me. So aren't I a big man for saying that? (laughs) Um, But uh, no, he's got some really good things for our, um, the the culture of our school. And we opened up with a different principal, Christy Whitbeck, who was an amazing visionary at opening a school. She opened three schools in Katy. She's great. And uh, I followed her. You You know, here's the thing, man. I'm not, I'm not a stalker, but there's, I, I love great leadership, yeah. and I love the stories, and I ask, and I find out. And from what I heard, if if you want to open up a school today, you better find her phone number and yeah. j- and try to convince well, her to come back and do Alvin it. Alvin ISD has her over there, and she's kind of over their high school, their secondary schools. Mm-hmm. And um, so hopefully she's kind of grooming some principals over there to do some of the things she did. But you know, she's a great school opener, where Ted's a good school school leader. So I don't think he wants to open a school, but if somebody else will get it up and running, he'll take it and, and and, uh, and run with it from there. Yeah. So I've uh, been able to learn great things from both of those guys and some of the other people I've worked with. Yeah, and, and you know, we, we could list um, just the the things that are going on at Seven Lakes. and it, I mean, it would be a list way too long. You know, I printed out the PDF of you guys for 2012-2013 and the list of uh, just achievements from, from uh, everywhere. But here's what's interesting. 
if you look at schools and look at the list of achievements, typically they're categorized. Where like in at Katy, it's or Katy High School, there's this you know perennial football powerhouse, mm-hmm. and and there's some other good things. Um, there are other schools. It's their it's their fine arts department or just band. Mm-hmm. There's one thing. It's they do this one act. They they dominate at one act play. They dominate in theater. But what you have, you guys, what's really interesting at Seven Lakes is the is the diversity of accomplishment across the board. Well, we really have a, an attitude, and I'll, you know, got to give uh, Mr. Breeling credit for this too, but he wants to be the, uh, the, the flagship, the flagship of, of the district, of the state, you know, whatever, whatever your, uh, your frame of reference is. Uh, but that's that we're good in athletics, but we're good in academics, and we're good in fine arts, uh, but we also, we take care of kids. So we've got that human side to it also. We, you know, we don't want to leave, leave kids out and just focus on the high achievers. Yeah. Uh, that we want to be able to take care of, take care of everybody in the building. It's really a total approach to what we want to do. Now, granted, I say all that, and I'm perfectly honest with people, that we've got kids from high-achieving families. Sure. Uh, parents that really expect them to go to college and to do things. Uh, so I, I would say, though, given that, Let's see what we can do with it. Then let's live up to it. Yeah, man. Here, here. This is the thing I, I wanted to bring up because, and I, I learned this uh, in my career that, um, you know, there's a saying I have, and and that is, it'll make, and I'll come back to it in a second. But I always say that the kid will forever be a better actor than you are a teacher. And what that means are that some of the kids that go to your school that live in that big giant house and have those high expectations from those family, you don't really know what's going on in that house. Sure. sure. When, that, when, 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 when that family's together at 7 o'clock, you don't really know what's being said and what's mm-hmm. going on. And they come to school and they play the part and they look the part and they look great. But when, you, but when you really find out the story years later when they come back and they come back to say thank you for all that you did for them and who you were as a person for them, you find out what was really going on in there. So, so here's the thing, and, and, and if you want to shed light on that, is where you know, we have some other communities that you can drive up and down the streets and you can see the challenges mm-hmm. because it's obvious. It's right there. Yeah. You can see the houses. You can see the, the, the struggle, financial struggle, and the kids that show up. But in, in you, you're, you're, the, the neighborhoods that surround your school look different than that, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that the kids aren't struggling as well. Oh, just because they've got the iPhone and, and the, the, the shoes and, and mom and dad drop them off in a nice car. Uh, they've still got human struggles, and sure. they've still got you know uh, emotional issues and uh, self-esteem issues, and uh, you know how how am I ever going to live up to mom and dad's expectations? So, um, where in other places, some of the places maybe we worked, uh, the parents didn't expect enough, and the kids like oh, I don't have to do anything. Mom and dad don't expect anything of me. Mm-hmm. We're here, it's the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like I'll never achieve what they expect me to achieve. Sure. So, um, it's just a, you know, it's a different view. It's a 180 degree different view of the same problem right. of, uh, the kid being able to, to accomplish something and become themselves, become who they're going to be. So I think at your school years ago when it first opened was a perfect example of what, of what, of what can happen when that kid is really pushed to the limit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's tragedy that happens yeah. and, uh, and it's tragedy at, 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 at every school. I mean, yeah. when you have 4,000 kids, mm-hmm. there's going to be tragedy. There is. And that's why I say that despite all of our successes in athletics and academics and, and whatever you want, want to look at, we've been successful at all kinds of stuff. Um, every day we've got kids that are popping into the counselor's office or that need to go to the counselor's office and, uh, and talk about something. 
Uh, and it's our job to get out there and connect with those kids. That's why I say that assistant principals out there talking to kids every day. So, well, I didn't, I didn't at that point wasn't teaching biology to those kids anymore. I was making sure they had what they needed to get to all their classes and do what they needed to do to reach that ultimate goal of walking across the stage. So, you know, you, just because you're an administrator, you don't lose that connection with the kids. Hopefully yeah. you take what you, you developed in the classroom and translate it into the hallway where we right. work. So. Man, that's what I love about you guys over there in, in, in that whole team together is because, you know, just by hearing you talk, you haven't lost it, and it's clear. And, and, and in terms of your role, do, do you oversee uh, um, the assistant principal team at all, or is, it, is that part of... Not really. The way we work in Katie is I'm same pay grade. I work more days out of the year. That's mm-hmm. it. We're all basically the same. We all report to the principal. Right. Um, so... And so it sounds like for Veerling, the, I should probably say Mr. or whatever. But Ted. For, yeah. <laughs> for, for V, MCV, yeah. he, uh, this, this is, this is part of his expectations of administrators is being still connected with kids and what's mm-hmm. going on in their lives. Oh yeah. Cause that doesn't happen everywhere, brother. Yeah. It, I, I'm sure it doesn't. Uh, I'm sure in a lot of other places it's, it's I've been some of those places where the attitude between teachers and administrators, it's the us and them thing. Right. And uh, a lot of kids have their parents' view of assistant principals or vice principals that uh, they're just out to bust kids. Because uh, a lot of our parents that we deal with nowadays, they're of, of, of the age where that's what vice principals did. Yeah. They just busted kids for stuff. So we're not like that. Um, and I know there's a lot of places today that are, are not focused on the things that we are. Uh, but it's up to us, it's up to Ted and me and the other administrators that when we hire teachers or we hire a new assistant principal to the team, that they share our, our vision of uh, what, what that job's going to be, of how you're going to go out there and support kids and support teachers in accomplishing their goals. So how do you weed through that? Because here's the thing. I have a feeling, first of all, because of the district that you're in, there's a lot of people that want to work there. Yeah. And because of the school that you're at, if you want to teach high school, and and you hear and you see some of the accomplishments, you hear about the leadership, and you hear about uh, not just at the top of the totem pole, but also at the associate and the assistant uh, principal. And you hear about the the teaming and the and the learning communities, and people think people want to get in there. Mm-hmm. And so, and you have a hundred and eighty five positions you you're, you're filling every year. And so, there's going to be some open up just yeah. by sheer by numbers. Somebody gets pregnant, wants to have you know family, Happens. and yeah. people move people on. Move on, yeah. How do you weed through that pool? How do you find the gem? You know, we uh, we have our job fair every year, so you at least get a, a face with somebody. Right. And we've hired some people off the job fair and done pretty well doing uh-huh. that. Uh, so that that helps. Um, one of the first things you do, though, if you're just culling through a whole bunch of resumes, you find the ones you might want to look at. And fortunately, we were able to have an online uh, system for HR. And first thing we're going to look at is references. Yeah. He's going to see what your last boss said about you. And if there's not a reference from that last boss, that's a red flag right there. If you're not going to tell your boss that you're looking for a job and you're trying to go over to Katie, uh, what do you? Why, aren't, why? Why isn't your boss behind you? You know, why don't you have that connection with your current principal? Sure. To help you get to that next level that you want to come to, work in the bigger district or move across the country or whatever your goal is. Um, I know one time I called a, a principal on a reference and and uh, said, oh, just. Talk to one of your teachers. They're looking at a job with us. Turned out it was like their superstar department chair, everything. And that principal was like, what? They're, they're, they're looking for a job? I said, yeah, I think we're going to make him an offer, but I want to talk to you first. So you really got to let your current boss know right. and give you a good reference. So that's the first thing we look at, though. You, know, you can look at transcripts. You can look at job history. But 
if the references from your current employer aren't there, uh, that, that that's 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 an issue to look at. So something and this is about. a tough market for kids to get jobs, especially first year yeah. teachers. Yeah. yeah, you know, and you know, I, I speak, and uh, you know, a few times I, I got to speak at the um, at Sam Houston State University. Man, they pump out some awesome first year teachers, uh-huh. and uh, I uh, I speak at the day where they uh, they turn in their portfolio, their 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 uh, you know student teaching portfolio. Yeah, turn that in at eight in the morning, and then they come do a little teaching a rock star for the day with me, and. Um, and they get, and you know what? And this uh, last time I was there, I want to say there's about 500 kids, and they're graduating that semester, going to go look for a job. Mm-hmm. And I thought, my goodness, I wonder how many are really, really going to find yeah. one, because yeah. it's tough. Yeah, and those ones coming out of school like that that don't have that first job yet, well, they got to get a couple professors lined up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe they worked in the uh, the bookstore or something on campus, and they got a supervisor that can vouch for them at least. So yeah. get a couple good references. You know, three or four or five good references lined up. Uh, right off the bat, and that's going to help you um, get through that first, when we do that little paper screening, do I want to talk to this person or not? And if they got some good references, well, that's over the first hurdle. Sure. Uh, you get through that part. Um, and then, uh, and you know, if you get get through that and can get in the, in, in the door and get an interview, then you got to prepare for your interview. You know, you got to look the part, um, you know. You don't dress like we're dressed today for an what? interview. Surely no. I could get a gig out maybe, there. Maybe for pals. All right, there you okay. go. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, you, you kind of got to make yourself, you don't have to have a business suit on, but you, you got to get it look nice. I say that, though, and ironically hired one of my best teachers I ever hired, and she's moved on because her husband transferred out of state, but she had just moved to the area and was just dropping resumes off mm-hmm. at front desks of the area high schools, and they brought it back to me while I was doing math interviews. And I said, is she here now? Brought her back. She's in like running shorts and a t-shirt. There you go. Flip flops. Get her in. Hired her. There you go. But she had some good references from where she had been. She uh-huh. had a good resume. She had a um, just maybe because she was so relaxed when she came in. Sure. Yeah. She was had a good interview and and taught for us for a few years and was great. So it, it can happen that way too. That's rare that somebody just drops in and gets a job. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there's something to be said for. Just relax when you go to your interview. Right. <laughs> Just relax. You know, for and me, enjoy man, it. I went to uh, when, when I went uh, to teach in Sci Fair. I um, I was going to teach biology, uh-huh. and I you know so I would have been a band director, and you know for years right. I've been a band director, and was just I, I wanted to get out, and I was just so burned out, so I passed the exit in biology. Uh-huh. I bought one of those Barron's books at the bookstore. Uh-huh. Yeah. Studied it and uh, got passed it, and then I, I put my application in uh, for uh, Sci Fair ISD. And the gentleman, uh, uh, Mr. Sparks, was it me? I don't know. He uh, called uh, Mr. Meek, and, uh-huh. and he said, well, can, yeah, uh, can you go over to Cy Springs? And I said, sure. And so I went over there. I interviewed with uh, Mr. Meek and Miss Hardy. Mm-hmm. Sarah Hardy. Who's now the principal at uh, Cy Lakes. Lakes or Ranch. Cy I got so many up there. I don't yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and she was there, and... Um, they said, well, here's the thing. We have a guy that's moving from Boston um, who's also for this job, but he could teach something else. We might want to ask him to teach something else. Maybe you could have that spot. Let us think about it, and we'll talk about it, and we'll get back with you. Mm-hmm. I said, no problem. 
So I showed up at seven o'clock the next morning and yeah. I sat in a chair right out front. He had a chair right out, you know, where the kids sit. They're uh -huh. in big trouble when I have to go see the principal. Yeah. And so I sat there and when he showed up for work and he goes, Oh, what are you doing back? I said, Well, you said you'd, you'd be thinking about it. And yeah. I just wanted to make sure I was <laughs> here when, when, when you're done thinking about it. And he goes, All right. <laughs> and he went in there and he closed his door and he came back and he goes, you, you, Let me ask you a question. How long are you going to sit here? I go, All day. All depends on how long you think about it. <laughs> that, not everybody can do no. that. I would not advise that for every kid coming out of school. <laughs> and he went back in, and then uh, he, made, he made a few phone calls. He said, all right, you go home. Go, please go home. You, you, you have the job. You can uh, please just go home. I went, you got it, brother. So he hand. gave you a job to get rid of you. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Just nice. Because I would leave, I'd look in, you know, in, the, in that skinny window on the door. <laughs> it's still here. And, uh, yeah, it worked, man. But, uh, all right, so let me ask you this. When you get him in the seat, and you got him in the hot seat, and you're in, and you're doing interviews, and you have this amazing staff out there, and you, you got to find the one that's not just good for uh, teaching and mm -hmm. not just good for kids, but fits this this team. Yeah, I'll tell you, Rob, I'll stop you right there and tell you the best advice I ever got on interviewing teachers. Once you get to that point, was from Christy Whitbeck, uh -huh. and she said, "Hire people that you can sit down and have lunch with. Yeah, if you can do that, they can get together and plan a unit." And talk about kids, or come into your office and say, "Hey, I'm having this issue with this kid. What, you know? They're not intimidated to come in. They can sit down, and you can talk with them, and they can talk with you. Right. If you take that philosophy, kind of overrides everything. And then you can go down your list of standard questions, like I've got mine about tell me about how your class begins, how you conduct your class, how you end class, and um, uh, tell me about what, what's your experience with technology. You know, looking for the the, the smart board and this and that, the other. Although right. really. Uh, behind all that, I know a good teacher is going to out-teach you with a piece of chalk any exactly. day, uh, like that guy I had from high school. So technology's fun. Kids have to be experienced with it, but let's get the chalk and the good teacher, and they're going to they're gonna wipe it out every day. Um, and then I usually have like a department chair who's going to ask him the technical questions about, you know, do you like to use the the TI-inspired calculators or what's, you know, the technical stuff about the teaching. I let them handle all that. I said yeah. they're not a whole lot. Right. Mm. Um, Sounds like yes. Mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. And then um, if, it's a, if it's a coaching position, the head coach is going to ask him about, you know, man-to-man -man or zone. Let them handle that stuff. Right. But we're going to ask him questions about, for a coach, it's like, what's your philosophy on sharing athletes with another program? Um, which, can be, which can be a real issue with, uh, you know, when seasons overlap. And um, when team's in the playoffs and the other season's starting, where's the kid go? Right. If they're you know if they're the if they're the bench player in the playoffs, but they're the starter on the next sport, do they stay with the bench, or do they go ahead and start the next sport? Let's talk about what your philosophy is on that. So yeah. you can ask some philosophical questions of of uh, coaches and program directors as well. So for me, it's kind of the 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 overriding. Uh, big issue questions. I want the department chair to ask the technical questions, but then we're going to sit down and talk about after the interview E is gone, we're going to say, okay, did they fit in with the algebra team or the English three team or they, sure. do they fit? Are they, are they, did they share our vision? Are they one of, one of our teachers. Yeah, it's such an important thing. You know, there's a school I've taught. I spoke at, uh, twice at uh, Betsy Lane High School in eastern Kentucky up in the mountains. Yeah. And um, oh my God, man, you talk, well, they got crazy accents, but man, they can teach and they are phenomenal. Yeah. And um, my mom's from Kentucky. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I went and I sp first time I spoke there, they were at, uh, uh, I can't remember her name, but it's like the 
Destin, Florida of Tennessee. It's where Dollywood is or Kentucky. You know? Oh, Pigeon Forge? Yeah, that? right. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah, they yeah. had a retreat there for all their teachers oh, and their families. Nice. And yeah. I spoke there, went back and spoke there. And I was talking with the principal and um, and she was getting ready for, uh, uh, I think she was teaching physics. Yeah. And I and this is not not that small of a school. I uh-huh. said, so you're teaching physics, yeah. and she said, yeah. I said, well, uh, why is that? She goes, well, our, our physics uh, teacher left at the semester. Yeah. And I said, so you're and you're teaching it. How come? You, and she goes, no, we've had a lot of people interview. Mm-hmm. Just haven't found the right one. Wow. And here we and she's been teaching physics now for like three months. Uh huh. And she's gone through dozens of people. Yeah. Got to find the right one. Michelle. That is that is just so important. That's probably the most important thing that especially uh, in a school like that because they ain't leaving. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> there, yeah there's, they, there's, you can there's, be stuck with them a long time. There's not six other high schools one. they can go to. Yeah, there, you can be stuck with somebody for a long time if you hire the wrong one. It's probably the most important oh. thing that uh, that Ted and I do is hire the right people, uh, whether it's it, it's AP, which we kind of all do that as a team, or our counselors come together and we interview counselors. We got to hire the right one because uh, it, it, it can it can poison a team, especially with this PLC concept that we're all based around now. It's not like just close your door and teach and you just do your thing. Yeah. Uh, it's you got to work with people. What a concept. We got to work with people in education. Huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, which I always said, you know, it's the strangest thing because and I I've, I've you you've you've been in a, another career and I've done some other things yeah. and and it's so commonplace in other professions where you if if you want to be great at whatever your thing is, you find like if you're in sales, insurance sales, you find the best insurance sales guy in the office and you follow him and watch everything mm-hmm. the guy does. Mm-hmm. But for some reason in education, what historically, not not in you know, when we're, we're finally breaking that mold, but historically what has happened, you, you you close the door, you lock the door, you do your thing, you uh-huh. don't let anybody know. And if you're struggling, you keep that to yourself. Yeah. You just go in the bathroom and cry once in a while. And, and show then, a video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> show a video, cry at your desk and bake and try it again tomorrow. Yeah. And but 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 fortunately now you know it's that it, first of all it's a leadership mentality change and it has to trickle down to that school environment change trickle up yeah there you go okay because right. we're not here trickling down we're we're supporting there we go yeah and uh, and 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 man it sounds like it's finally happening you know the more schools I talk to it's finally happening and it just hasn't been the case yeah well that that team approach to anything can be so strong you know engineers they work in teams mm-hmm. accountants they work in teams. Uh, I got the chance to travel with our Science Olympiad team. They got to go to nationals, and uh, they placed sixth in the nation as a team. That's just ridiculous. Is how they got there. And as we were there, we were watching. I got to talk to them. I got to do the locker room talk after the award ceremony. It was really cool because I had I didn't coach them, I didn't teach them, I do nothing, but I get to do the locker room talk. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Uh-huh. Um, and the thing I told them was they saw this other kid getting first place individual awards, and he's kind of had an obnoxious suit on, kind of hey look at me. And uh, he got like three first places, but his team didn't place in the top 10. And I said, now look at you guys. Y'all came together as a team and you placed. Uh, you know, last year they were 12th. This year they broke the top 10. They didn't break it. They shattered it into sixth place, yeah. but they did it as a team. So I wanted them to see that because that's what I can offer. That's my uh, thing that I give kids is you know, that, that team approach. I don't teach them the, uh, the physics, the chemistry, or any of that stuff anymore, but that's what I, that's what I could get. You know, that's what I want them to see is how important that was because these kids are all going to be engineers and doctors and they're going to work on teams in, in the careers that they go into. Yeah. So they need to learn that now and that's kind of a 
kind of a obscure thing to teach. You know, there's no formula for no, it. No, it's called cheating. <laughs> Working in teams. You're not cheating. You're not trying. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So yeah. So that whole collaboration, you know, it's a, it's a huge thing. That mm-hmm. just, but but you know, again, with that whole standardized testing and what we're required to cram into the noggin of the kid, it's yeah. hard to get him into an environment where we want all this stuff. We want this collaboration. We want this resourcefulness mm-hmm. that we want to teach kids, but to, to create that in, a, in in an environment where you have to drill the stuff into them, it's very difficult. Yeah. And let me just take this opportunity, sir. I am, I don't, um, I don't enjoy bragging. I love it. And what I want to brag about now is I was the sponsor of the, um, state championship science Olympiad, uh, the, uh, herpetology really yes i was a sponsor for that sir just so you know who you're talking to i always knew you were a snake well here's the thing i had i owned snakes when i was in college yeah because it's fun to do when you're in college and they get too big you give them away Uh and um or let them go in florida yeah and um (laughs) and i uh and so i had to sign up for something as a science teacher Mm -hmm. so i thought well i i I, I had a snake. <laughs> I might as well. <laughs> I'll sign up for that. Yeah. And the kids showed up, and um, they had all these materials. They had all prepared, all, yeah. tons of stuff ready to go. And I started talking to them, and and I, I don't know the kids because I was teaching. You know, they were seniors, and I was teaching mostly sophomores. And they <laughs> said, um, "Well, we won this thing last year, and well, the last two years." Yeah. I said, "Really? Yeah. Well, do you need me for anything?" <laughs> they said, "No, not at all." I said, well, awesome. I said, I'll be here if you ever need anything, mm-hmm. but uh, let me know how the thing turns out. Yeah. And so right there on the award, sponsor, Al Bowman, there and they go. won it again. There you for, go. I never even saw them. I saw them that one day. That was it. They went and won the thing six months later. Well, there it is. Your best teachers are facilitators. <laughs> facilitators. That's what I did. Yeah. They facilitated. <laughs> yeah. And so, all right, so you're the associate, and um, what's, man, what's... Um, What's next for you? Do you have that 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 thing, that drive, that vision inside of you where you want to, uh, at some point, uh, keep going to the top of the totem pole at the school or, yeah, you, or I, central office? I, or I, I figured that question would come along sometime. But yeah, I think if I the next thing I would want to do is is do a building myself mm-hmm. because just seeing the things the last two principals I worked for, um, Ted and Christy, just being able to to set that culture and that climate and oh, yeah. motivate. And, and do those kind of things uh, that the, that the leader of a, a school does. Um, it, there's great things about central office. You get to work with um, some, you know, some, some, uh, some, some great challenges that you get to do with that. But um, I've seen the, the person who's in the job before me, uh, Rhonda Ward. She's moved on to the central office mm-hmm. gig now. And um, central office, they, they don't have a football team. No. So you, you kind of miss out on that. Still There's not alley. very many kids walking down the halls at Central Office. But they get the really cool name tags. They get name tags and uh, and they get some pretty cool shirts. So. Yes, they get the they get monogrammed rather than yeah silk screen yeah, instead of the yeah uh, yeah I had the silk screen T-shirt on today right. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so there, there's some there's some great things about being able to do that, and that way, uh, central office people they get especially a district this big. You got six high schools you get to go pull for right uh, doing something. So you got to look at it that way. Um, this is like when I went from from grade level assistant principal to uh, to the front office associate principal kind of job. I didn't have my class anymore. Yeah. But okay, now I got to look at it. I, I have four classes. I got all the kids in the school that need something from me. So right. you got to take that different focus. But me personally, yeah, I, I would see when the opportunity comes along. I've been in this particular 
uh, with, with those little cutbacks, our jobs have changed a little bit in the sure. last couple of years, but this particular job just this year. So I kind of want to see the process through, get that master schedule written. Right. Uh, I came into it like a few weeks before school started last year. So I want to get through the, all the summer things and get the, the year up and running. I, w- I want to do this some. I want to get the feel for this. I don't want to just do it for a year and move on and do something for a year and move on. And, and uh, I want to kind of develop it, make it my own, and, uh, and, and then when the time's right, yeah, find something sure. and move on. So. You know, the, the, the central office gig, man, the, 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 the strangest thing about that environment for me was whenever, whenever I would go to the central office, and in Cypher it was a huge district like Katie, and, yeah. and I'd go yeah. to the central, and we, I could never figure out what the weird thing was about it, and then I finally realized it one day. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, when you're on your campus, and if you're going to go use the men's room, mm-hmm. you're probably going to say hey or hi or hello to at least 40 kids. Yeah. You're going to high five 23 times. You're going to fist bump 15 times. Mm-hmm. Bowen, Bowen, what's up, man? Hey, brother, how are you? Mm-hmm. Hey, what's going on? Hey, man. Yeah, high five. At Central Office, not one person even says hi to you. You, just, <laughs> <laughs> you walk, you can pass 23 people. No one even looks at you. Well, it's a little little different maybe for, for me because since we went to KDISD schools right. and um, my mom was an educator in KDISD, uh, I know a lot of people just from the sheer years that I've been in the area. Uh-huh. Uh, so I get a little... But yeah, it's much more reserved. It's a it's a hello yeah. there. You know, fist bump. Yeah, no, sometimes there'll be a nod. Just about. The, uh, How you doing, Governor? Yeah, that's about <laughs> it. That's about <laughs> it. Uh, but um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a totally different feel uh, at that job. So yeah. All right. So you uh, at some point you are uh, you know at, at, at would like to um, uh, uh, be the building principal somewhere. Somewhere someday when the time's right. For sure, and um, but 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 what I love about it is that this position you're in is is really taking ownership, and because um, like I said, I really feel like some people get into it too soon, probably, and they're they're just unprepared for the mammoth responsibility, mm-hmm. um, and and if you look at just just uh, setting the culture and the tone and the environment of the school. Look, man, that 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 doesn't happen by. I mean, that doesn't happen by happenstance. Mm. That doesn't happen. Just it's not a fluke. No, it is a strategic plan that's in place, and and it's sold and it's bought, and the buy-in happens from teachers and kids, and to learn how to do just just that skill alone, you got to have a vision. It's all about having a vision, yeah. and I, that question I think comes up in interviews at that level a lot. Is what what is your vision? Uh, some of those. Um, higher order kind of skills that you sure. got to have for that kind of job. Um, but yeah, it, it's not about, you, you can't interview for that job and give the answers for the job you're in. Like if I'm interviewing for principal, I can't give them necessarily answers about how I would handle tardy discipline in the hallway. Sure. There's somebody else going to do that. Yeah. What's your vision? How are you going to lead the guy that does the tardies in the hallway? So you got to take it to that that next level, and it's yeah, and and it's that way throughout throughout every uh, uh, discipline in the school. And I remember I had a friend who was uh, uh, going in for his first head coaching job interview, mm-hmm. and I was shocked at the preparation it took. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, to have the vision, how they're going to get there, the the five year plan yeah. from where they are to where they're at. I mean, it was amazing. We hired a a, a new ha- athletic director, head football coach, this past year. And all those guys come into those interviews with a two-inch binder and a copy for everybody on the interview panel. Yep. And it is everything from, from you know, what offense do you run to how's the overall athletic program. Like those things I was talking about, like how do you share athletes? Um, how do you, if you're, the, if you're the athletic director, how do you support the girls' athletic program? You know, 
got a you know Title Nine. Yeah, right. Uh, you got to you got to encompass all of that because hiring an athletic director, especially at a big, well, probably at any school, two A, three A, anybody, it's it's really it's more than hiring an assistant principal. You're hiring the other principal of the school. Sure. Because how much does that affect? You know, how many kids are in athletics? Mm-hmm. Those programs that are are out there, and that's part of the culture and climate of the whole school is how those teams represent your school in the public sure. and what it does for kids and and you know five years down the line are they going to go want to go back and see their their head coach because that's that's a great teacher right there yeah and and in many communities even where you live i mean that's like yeah. the face of the district oh it is we're the only that, that's the only show in town yeah when you live in a small community that's it uh there's there's no big cinemark megaplex anything like that there's no broadway shows coming through town <laughs> Blue Man Group isn't showing Blue up. Blue Man there. Group is not coming to Belleville, I guarantee you. <laughs> at um, the VFW Hall? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, they will not be at the at the high school auditorium anytime right. soon. Uh, it, it is all about that high school team in that small town in anywhere USA. Yeah, you, That is the show. That's what everybody's looking at. There's people that um, their kids have graduated years ago. They still got their season tickets because sure. they're still going to see somebody else's kids, the grandkids, somebody else. Uh, that's just what they do. It's the culture of the town. And in a small town like that, well, I guess in the neighborhood where we are, we establish culture and climate. I go out around our community around Seven Lakes, and I see the blue and orange. I see Spartans all over the place in businesses. They've got our old football jerseys on the wall. Yep. So, you know, the culture and climate of the town, the community will be uh, right in step with the high school. And in a small town, that's really evident because there, there no, you don't drive across the road to the other high school. It's it. It, it is everything with that, uh, that school and that small town. All right, here's uh, three questions for you. And you have to answer them. Rapid fire? Um, Speed round? <laughs> your favorite sound. Mm-hmm. No, here it is. Um, what's that you guys say? Lifting? <laughs> well, here, here it is. Um, the, uh, has to be, uh, you have to answer them all, uh, and it have to be different answers. Tell me right now, in your current position, what, um, what is your favorite part of your job? This is going to be crazy to a lot of people who don't have this job, but my favorite part is building that master schedule. I like, I like it's, it's the nuts and bolts puzzle of it, but also there's that human side of, can I put this teacher with this teacher, and is that going to work? You know, I, I could feed it all into a computer and have our our computer system will crank out a master schedule for me. Yep. But it's not necessarily going to know. Oh, these guys they need to be off six period. These guys need to work together here, and these guys need to work together here. So it's it's the nuts and bolts puzzle combined with the human side. Sure. That, that's what I like about about doing that. And and with and with that master schedule. Um... I know the last school I taught at, we had about 5,000 kids in that school, and um, it was, it really was to the point where it was, listen, on that, you know, the day before the kids come, mm-hmm. you are going, there are some periods you are going to have 70 kids. Not mine. It worked this past year. Did it. My first I was going to ask you. It was and, already built by somebody else, but I spent the rest of the summer tweaking and polishing, uh-huh. and yeah, I'm really, really watching for that. And and they would, they would show, and I would have 70 kids. Yeah. And from seniors to freshmen, all sitting in there, piled in there. Yeah. And they would say, look, they're going to be there for about a week until we figure out where to put everybody. Oh, no. Be patient. No, no. Not, not you. My, no. no. 
And it's because <laughs> I, back in August before that happened, I didn't sleep for like two nights. And I would get up in the middle of the night and I'd have my just printed out copy with yeah. all my technology. I still got my stack of paper sure. and I'd be flipping through it because it would tell me how many kids are loaded into each class. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at that. I'm looking to make sure everything was right where, where, it, uh, where it belonged. I didn't have... Well, I found one later on that had two classes in the same period, but fortunately that wasn't until the spring, so we could fix it. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, just obsessing over that uh, all summer and, and getting it to where it needs to be, so it'll work. I think people really underestimate the the logistic puzzle, you know, my mathematical that, puzzle. My this friends thing. that are not in education, when I told them I had this job and that's what I was doing last summer, they're like, well, somebody didn't do that for you? I said, no, I, I, I'm, I'm somebody. That, that's, yeah. That is my job. Yeah. Uh, they don't send that to you from central office? No, they don't know what we do on the campus for that. So right. they were kind of surprised to find out that, yeah, there's one guy that cranks that stuff out. And it needs to be owned by one person because as soon as two people start owning it, you're going to have conflicts. All right. Somebody's going to, oh, I'm going to fix this this way, and everyone's going to fix it that way, and this and that don't don't match up. So it's got to be owned by one person. So i got to sit down with a lot of department chairs and coaches and directors and get their input, but it's got to be owned by one one person. Yeah. So you know, that first job I had in a tiny little town, we had about a couple hundred kids in a district. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you'd graduate eight, nine kids. And, yeah. Um, and so like 0.9 would be top 10%. And so we, um, the master schedule, I'm not kidding, was a chalkboard. Yeah. And all the teachers down, names down the left side, yeah. all the kids' names across the top. All the kids did. <laughs> and they taped it off into a graph and put check marks on who's got who at what time. Wow. Yeah, and like a number in the box, six period. We're going to line them up here. I could do that, but I would need to cover the gym floor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's, that's the favorite part here is what do you think, has to be a different uh, a different answer, um, uh, what do you think in your current position that you are the best at? The best at? Yeah, what's your best, when, when, when you think about your position right now, what would you do the best? Well, you said I can't answer the same thing because I want to be the best at the match, but that's just a personal challenge that I want to be the best, I want to have the best one out there. But I think the thing I'm probably the best at that I would, would pride myself on is that, uh, again, it goes back to that human part of the job, is that I can, I can sit down with a teacher and, and say, well, explain to me what, what's going on. How can we help with that? Um, how, or, or with a parent. I can sit down with a parent and a teacher and say, well, let's, let's talk about why this grade is what it is or what this issue is what it is and find a resolution for them. Now, the parent might need to hear no, but it's not sitting down and saying, no, we don't do that. That's the wrong answer. It's not going to work. It may be, in the end, the truth, but you you don't answer it that way. Right. Um, And that's a lot of people's uh, failure right there, is they they just answer that way. Um, But being able to sit down and say um, that, well, the answer is going to be no, but here, let's talk about why it's no and why you don't want your student doing this. Because in three years when you graduate, you need this and this and this. And getting them to buy into, oh, no, I really don't want that. I really don't want that. I, I really do want what you're offering for my kid. And getting them to realize that that uh, you, you kind of know what you're talking about and you are offering something because you want that student to succeed. You're not the enemy. You're the partner. Right. So I, that, I think, as over my well, seven years at this place, eight years at this place, that's what I've really gotten better at. And that's I think I'm good at that. Here comes the big one. All right. And I have a bonus. Okay. But here's the big one. What do you think if you if you list all the things that you're required to do in your current position, what's the one at the bottom that you really know that you need to improve on? I need to improve. Um wow. Man. 
that's a hard one. That's like an interview question. And don't tell me it's remembering to do the fire drill once a month. No, because somebody else does that. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really hard to do with all the star <laughs> testing and garbage. We can't right. do fire drills for like weeks. Um, but the, the thing that I, I really need to, to work on more, um, you know, I guess it's, well, I could say like time management or something because there's so many things I got to do, but that's true for all of us. Right. Uh, you never get everything done. Um, but probably, you know, it's having those hard conversations. It's having that teacher in to say, you know, I hear you, you may have said something inappropriate mm-hmm. and it's so uncomfortable having those conversations. Um, but here's, here's one thing that I, I use to kind of get through that. It's an Eleanor Roosevelt quote. Do something every day that scares you. That's huge. It's huge, isn't it? Yeah. You know? And those are the people that really can become leaders, are the ones that are willing to step up into that uncomfortable zone and push through it. Uh, if you're not willing to do that, don't go out and try to become a leader. You're fine. You know, be a teacher. Be a be a pipe fitter. Be something else that makes you happy. Yeah. But... Uh, if you can push into that that uncomfortable zone, and that's where I need to keep pushing. Uh, I think when I first got into this, maybe I knew that, but I didn't know what it felt like. Right. And keep keep pushing at that part. Uh, that's that's what a lot of us need to keep doing is finding out what that feels like, and if you can push through it, and I'll tell you if you can keep going at this. Yeah. All right. Here's the bonus question, okay. man. Woo. Give me your. Uh, well, I have two bonuses. One is, have you seen the video of the kid? You know what I'm talking about? Which one? The one that unleashes on his teacher. No. The kid no. with the long blonde hair. I have no And he goes nuts on his teacher. I think I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. All right. Well, then forget that. I was okay. going to ask what you thought Okay. What's about bonus that. number two? Uh, here it is. In, uh, when uh, we were both in SciFair ISD and okay. we both had a panel interview to see whether or not we would qualify for the administrator pool. Right. And there are some principals and central office people there, mm-hmm. and they sat at and you sat at one end of the table. They filled up the table, and they took turns asking you questions. We all knew what the questions were going to be. Yeah, and uh, and we got a score. Yeah, and um, and seventy. If you got a seventy, mm-hmm. that means you qualified to be into the pool. Yeah. Um. Do you do you, do you remember what your score was? 75 or 80, I don't know. No, it wasn't. It was higher than that. Really? I re- yeah, I know. I know what it is. You know what it is? Yeah, I remember. Because I blocked it out of my head. It was very, it was It was high. Really? Yes. What was it? It's in the lower 90s. Lower 90s? Yes, you. Wow. Mine was a 70. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to know, what is it about me now that you're an administrator? Here's the thing. Here's, uh-huh. what, the, here's what a 70 means. Maybe somebody wants this guy, but I don't want him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, what, what's wrong with me? What, if, I've, if, got admini- I've got administrator written all over me. Administrator of what? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I'm the, I'm the guy you want at the front office, obviously. Now, what is it about me that you think that they thought, oh, my gosh, what is this guy thinking? Okay, well. Listen, I wore a tie. Yeah. I didn't wear one to school. You know what I did? What? I took my clothes to the central office. I changed in the bathroom. <laughs> I wore jeans hey, and I t-shirt. Said, like every... I said, in an interview, you got to put the uniform on. <laughs> I put it on in the bathroom. I put, had my tie pre-tied. It looked nice. I went to, I went with a Windsor. And um, mm-hmm. and uh, I got in there. I had my short little haircut. I shined my... Uh, I had some uh, floor shimes. Mm-hmm. And I went in there. And uh, they asked me what I thought about some things. And I told them. Uh-huh. Got me a 70. 70. Huh. 
twenty something points lower than you, my friend. I, I don't remember the questions that they asked at that round, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know, man. Are you? Do you want to sit down and have a conversation with a teacher about? Um, did you make a an inappropriate comment to one of your students, to one of your female students? Do you want to be the guy that has that conversation with the teacher? No, I want to be the guy that tells on them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably coming from another teacher. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Bye. You're not going to believe what so and so said today in class. I well, heard it. Come through. on in here and tell me. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to say too. Think about what you want to tell me before you tell me. Right. Because once go. you say it, you can't unsay it. Uh huh. So. so I wouldn't think of that. That's probably why I get a 70. Yeah. All right. So obviously I'm not cut out for that gig. I guess. Yeah. You know, there's a place for everybody. I found mine. You found yours. Yeah. All right, man. Listen, we, uh, man, I, th- I can't thank you enough for coming in, dude. I well, love it. Thanks for having me, man. This is fun. You are, I think you're the first, um, you're the second. You're the second administrator. administrator. Just, I wondered yeah. how many administrators would be. Two days ago, we put this... up uh, Charles Aguillon, uh, associate principal at Eastview High School. Yeah. Uh, soon to be next year, he'll be the director of fine arts at Lake Travis ISD. Nice. Nice. And, uh, you go to a lot of band contests. Oh, yeah. He's the king. Of con- he knows all the conferences. Yeah. He, uh, and plus, he judges, and he, he knows how to work that deal. Yeah. But, uh, brother, man, I, I, I'm so uh, uh, proud, not, not, not obviously of you, but also all that um, uh, you guys are doing over at uh, Seven Lakes. And, uh, man, it's just a cool thing to see because it's, um, it, it's proof that, that magic really can happen and, like, mediocrity does not have to exist in education and that in, in superstars and super schools with super teachers, administrators can happen if you get the right people into place. Yeah. Well, they say, you know, to people who, who much has been given, much is expected. So we want to live up to that. And our, our kids are, for the most part, we got some that they got their struggles, but for the most part, they're doing okay. Yeah. And if they're doing okay, well, let's go see what we can do with that. We're going to challenge them. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for being here, brother. Thanks for having me. Bring it up top. That's how we end it. Here we go. And we are out. Uh, woo!